for me, it's really two different worlds and I like it to be like that. That means I have my, my painting world, which is a uh, full, I mean, it's uh, sensitivity, it's emotions, deep feelings. Whereas my work at Airbus is, it's all about rigor, it's all, it's, it's a bit cool in a way. Welcome to the Artist Engineer Podcast. Join me, Tony Tran. And me, Bill Robertage. Along with our amazing guests, as we explore how people's inner artist and inner engineer present themselves in their technical careers, in the art they create, and most importantly, in living creative lives. Our guest today is Bertrand Martin. Bertrand is the head of the satellite platform product line and policy at Airbus. Bertrand is also an accomplished painter and artist. He is represented by several galleries in Europe and lives and paints in Toulouse, France. Bertrand tells us what it takes to design and build satellites and describes the state of the satellite industry today. He tells us about what led to his return to painting in 2014 and the role that mentors played in his life. He describes how the rigor and process from his engineering background helps him to dedicate more time to his painting. Bertrand, welcome to our show. Okay, thank you. I'm very glad to be here. Your profession falls very squarely in the engineering world. You're the head of Airbus's satellite and platform product line. And I think from an outsider's perspective, there's a certain kind of romance to what you do, building and launching satellites, space exploration, but also I'm sure there's a high level of rigor of science and engineering involved in it. Yeah. So can you tell us what you do, what goes into building and launching a satellite? Yeah, so yeah, my job, my job is essentially to uh, design, design the, the platform of the satellite. So a, a satellite is like a, something where you have a, an instrument, which is like a camera to observe Earth. And you have what, what we call the platform, which is all the rest of the satellite to be able to fly, to be able to uh, capture electricity with solar panels and propulsion and all that thing. So this is the, what, I'm, what I'm in charge of at, at Airbus. And uh, yeah, it's, um, what it takes to make a satellite is uh, it's a very long process. It starts uh, with designing and then, um, you know, the, the, the satellite that they, take the most time that take just 20 years to be designed. So uh, the, what we see as the production and the launch is just the last steps of all the, this long process. Uh, my, my job is also to uh, foresee the, uh, the satellite of the future, design what is going to be the next step, what is going to be uh, the next technology and, and so on. Yes, I saw on, um, I read on Airbus's website that uh, I think the number was um, since maybe the past uh, 40 years or so, uh, this division has launched about 60 satellites, uh, which uh, to me, I was not surprised, but um, that, that the number was so low. As you said, it's uh, quite a lot of design and time goes into uh, any one satellite. Yeah, we are specialists of very low uh, batch effects. It's only... It's, it's custom, custom design most of the time, yeah. So 
in this industry? Is there is there a lot of innovation and experimentation happening? Uh, you just described a very long cycle, but we also hear about um, in the U.S. SpaceX and Elon Musk. Um, or is it really this uh, this long design time is still the the norm in your industry? Yeah, I would say I would say that long design time remained the norm. Uh, what we say and what we see and it's really new is a new entrance. So of course you have the the SpaceX, but not only SpaceX, there are now a lot of startups. And this is really a new phenomenon because before it was only big players uh, going there. And now there are a lot of new entrants, new startups, which build small satellites, uh, which are very aggressive in terms of uh, price and uh, uh, very technology driven. So it's it's very exciting to be in this era of the space industry because it's changing very fast. And uh, that we benefit also from the interest that engineers have into the space business. Does that mean you're getting younger and younger, maybe engineers uh, interested? The, in my memory, the exciting time was um, in the 60s when um, uh, this was first getting started, and at least in the U.S., the interest waned in the, say, the 80s and 90s. Um, do you are you seeing more young engineers and yeah. uh, much more interest? Yeah, there is uh, this kind of new era uh, excitement. I think space takes uh, more and more place. Not only it is seen as more and more strategic in the governments, but also there are more and more commercial applications of the. Uh, of the satellites. Can you tell us some of the, uh, uh, as an example, some of the very interesting commercial applications uh, that we might not know about? Uh, I'm thinking GPS and kind of satellite photography, but other things that might be happening uh, with your satellites? Yeah, typically uh, GPS, uh, Earth observation. So Earth observation is just to, to bring, you know, the pictures that you can see from the space when you use uh, uh, Google or when, I mean, of course, there are some other applications, multiple applications to detect the ships, to detect the number of cars on the parking. To it's it's booming. Uh, it's, it's actually booming currently the, the number of applications that you have, and and I think it's, we are just at the beginning of that, uh, and it's going to de develop more and more. You mentioned the kind of disruption and the uh, the larger companies reminds me a little of the beginning of the PC revolution and uh, you know, where you had IBM and you had some of the larger corporations that took a long time and controlled a lot of that. And then you had the Bill Gates and Steve Jobs coming in and disrupting things, bringing prices down, a lot more competition, which kind of created a whole different industry, I guess. Yeah, it was before it was more government driven. So it was government budget only, and it becomes more and more uh, partially commercial and partially governmental, mm -hmm. which makes the change. One of the uses of satellites I heard about recently, and I don't know how close it is, is to, in terms of doing away more with kind of cellular, needing cell towers for phones and, and that kind of thing, having enough low-level satellites to create a network where you can make phone calls and not need to be within coverage. Is that something that's in the foreseeable future? Yeah, well, I, I, I'm, not in the, I'm not in the telecom business and not in the application business, but 
what I can say is that uh, the, the broad uh, need for more telecom, uh, telecommunication uh, is, I mean, the space segment is also part of that. That means we need more and more uh, telecommunication uh, satellites overall, whether for uh, TV, internet, mobile phones, everything together that is developing very fast because in you know that in in some area there there are some remote area where in nowhere there will be any uh, optical fiber or uh, uh you know uh, traditional link to the um, to the to to capture internet and internet fast internet now is just the the, the normal business i mean no longer a bonus, it's, it's, it's no longer a plus. It becomes more and more absolutely necessary for everything. This year, uh, we've been disrupted by the pandemic, many industries. How has it affected uh, your industry at all? There must be something, there's some hands-on manufacturing that must be involved, but also something not terrestrial, you know, or maybe not, not bound by what's happening here on Earth. Yeah, well, the overall i think okay there was the the harsh uh, lockdown at the beginning and uh, where all the industry was in affected and then we adapted and to the to the pandemic with uh, social distancing and everything and uh, we managed to work more or less normally afterwards uh, like um, and I, I would say that uh, the industry adapted very well very fast uh, governments and governmental agencies have been very supportive uh, overall to the industry. And there are also some, some effects on the industry, which is that uh, there's the some space segments are, uh, I would say, uh, developing new applications and are, are uh, because of the COVID that impacted a lot the need in telecommunication as i said this industry is 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 rather developing uh, through the post effect of of covid because we we tend to travel uh, less and but we need more uh, internet communication so that uh, can uh, have some benefit on the uh, on the telecommunication space industry in addition to your professional career I know in 2014, you had a return to an earlier passion in your life, to painting and art. Since then, you've been shown in several galleries, won several prizes. Can you tell us in 2014, what was your motivation or inspiration to return to this? I think it's because I was, I was approaching in, in 2014, I was approaching 40 years old. And uh, I think that kind of triggered um, something in me because I had this project for, this project for a long time. Because I used to draw a lot when I was a kid. And then I did some attempts of restarting, resuming, and really going into painting uh, several times. And each time I was taken back to daily day life and, uh, you know, absorbed by uh, your family, your friends, your work, and um, forgetting about your, your passion which is inside somewhere. I always thought I have time to do it later. I have time to do it later. And when I turned uh, 40, I was like, okay, if I continue like that, I'm going to uh, have time only when I retire. 
and uh, that's I mean that's what uh, my my grandpa did that he started painting when he was retired and I you know you don't have the same capacity the same plasticity of your brain of your creativity when you're 60 65 even now with retirement age going uh, up uh, you don't have the plasticity and the it's also the the the, the galleries and and uh, the, the collectors and so on it takes time to grow and the earlier you start the better so i think that was one of the best decisions in my life to to start really uh, painting and see uh, what's behind Often the decision is the hard part, uh, but it's the quickest part as well. And then doing it becomes easier. But but you mentioned earlier your daily life kind of prevented you from this. What did you have to change at forty to not have those type of distractions? Was it just a mental decision, or was there something much more practical to to give you that space in that time? It's a passion, and you put it as a priority. And you have when you start having results. It takes its place in your in your life because I started and the year after I started painting, I was invited to be a, a guest of honor in a in a watercolor at this time watercolor exhibition. So that was very encouraging. Then I got the the first prize uh, both from the public and from the judge. So. That was encouraging and that boosts you a lot when you get some rewards about what you're doing. And it's also important towards your friend, your family, because it's reflecting on you because you, you get this, uh, this result. So people understand that it's not only, okay, you know, when family and friends just say that they like it and so on, okay, you, you appreciate these comments, but when they come from people who don't know you at all, it's, 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 uh, it's really touching. And uh, it's also a reward that the family looks at. And uh, in a way, uh, I would say you are, they understand better that you dedicate a big share of your time to this uh, practice. Yeah, it's not uh, just kind of a hobby. This really is a, a passion. And I, oh, you said too about hitting 40 and realizing that if you waited too long, you'd, you'd almost have regrets in a way, right? I mean, it, it, exactly, it, yeah. it's like something. And I think for artists, real artists, who, who often have to put their passion on their uh, the side, this is what they'd like to do. And maybe, you know, you're not going to make a living out of whatever the reason is, but life comes on the people who I've found who are real artists figure they, they get pulled back because they don't feel complete unless they're creating with that outlet, whether they're writing or music. And, and I know several people who kind of, you know, got pulled away and then back in because their, their life didn't feel right. Um, that sounds a little like what you're describing. Yeah. You mentioned your grandfather and I, uh, I saw, I think in your bio on your page, I think he gets a mention as an early mentor for your painting. And that's a theme that's come up in, uh, from several of our guests and, and artists, the importance of having someone kind of help you and mentor you. And I believe you mentioned another uh, watercolor painter who, who helped you. Could you talk about the importance of that, that kind of role of having uh, someone as a guide or a mentor to help you navigate and grow? My grandpa, 
I was uh, admiring his work and I was also, he was admired in the family and was recognized as, uh, as an artist. Even though he, he never did it uh, professionally, kind of, and, and when my, my parents, my family saw that I was, uh, uh, I could draw, not that bad, and immediately, you know, <laughs> the, the kind of the genes coming from the grandfather and this kind of thing, but that plays a role. Uh, later on, I mean, it offered me some, some you know, oil painting uh, boxes uh, with, with paint and for the Christmas, this kind of thing I still remember. Uh, otherwise, he was quite discreet and he never uh, really taught me to paint. I don't know why, but uh, he passed away. But uh, I don't know, he, he never did it. He was very, uh, because he wanted to paint on his own and he didn't want me to disturb him. We never had some... Uh, together painting sessions but however I think it instilled in myself the the the, the, the choice to uh, start uh, when I was not retiring because I don't know if he had regret of not starting earlier but uh, yeah maybe that was the case and the second one uh, was uh, yeah it's a watercolor artist uh, Jean-Louis Morel very famous in the in the watercolor uh, world and he he wrote several books that are still some of the the best best of uh, today and uh, I admired him a lot because he kind of is the, the father of the, the new era of watercolor. So this is really a, a guy I admire a lot. And uh, he switched to oil painting at some point. So when I met with him and we, we, we quickly become more than just, uh, uh, you know, pupils and, and teacher, and we were really uh, uh, good friends. And, and now we still discuss for hours about painting and so on. So, and it made me progress very well because he understands very well what I want to express. And uh, it's, it's, uh, it's rare when you have someone who really has the same sensitivity. Yes. Yeah, blessing. And speaking of what you want to express, um, yeah, I was thinking about it and I kind of joked with Tony uh, before when we were preparing for the cause, like, you know, you, you kind of work in the stars and very celestial kind of bodies, but you paint portraits and uh, very terrestrial bodies here. So. <laughs> <laughs> for me, it's really two different worlds. And I like to, I like it to be like that. That means I have my, my painting world which is a uh, full i mean it's uh, sensitivity it's emotions um, deep feelings whereas my uh, my work at airbus is uh, more it's all about rigor it's all it's it's a bit cool in a way because it's just uh, i mean we have projects, we have to run projects, we have to run, um, I'm a manager as well. So uh, yeah, maybe the management side is, is the one which is the closest to the uh, sensitivity and, uh, and emotion and common feeling, empathy and so on. But otherwise, 
I would say it's, it's really uh, the two different world and the two facets of, uh, of maybe uh, of, of myself that I see in these two jobs. Because I also like, uh, uh, you know, I have worked a lot for in the lean management, optimizing. I, I, I like that. And I do that in, in the painting. Uh, so I would say that probably... Um, each of the two uh, jobs feed each other. The, uh, the painting side uh, feeds the, um, my work uh, at, at Airbus because it gives me a, it's a, it's a refresh of your mind. And uh, my job as, uh, in the space industry feeds my rigor in, in painting and uh, optimizing and uh, finding time to do these two jobs at the same time. If I were not, I think if I were not quite organized, I, I would not be able to do the two at the same time. And my, 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 my training and my job uh, helps me in that prospect. Yes, we hear that theme a lot. Um, to be able to focus on a passion, whether it's art or something outside of your profession, um, there is a certain amount of structure to be able to produce yeah. There's a quote you have in your um, kind of artist statement. Um, you mentioned something about the duality of scientific objectivity and the art of creation. That's such a great phrase. I wonder if you can expand on that, what that, what that <laughs> means uh, to you uh, in either in your art or, or the balance of your art and in, in your professional life as well. In, you know, in painting, you have certain steps that uh, require a high level of creativity and uh, to design the, 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 uh, the painting in your mind, that's how it starts and be moved by, by a face. And you have some other steps in the process that are more mechanical, I would say. And uh, so on the first, the first steps that I mentioned are more really in the art world and the, the, the other ones are more in the objective part of, 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 uh, of the creation. Uh, so it's all about, you know, values, colors, uh, saturation. And uh, I, I know that on that aspect, I'm, I'm in paint uh, very differently to many other oil painters who um, they just, I mean, rely on their feeling uh, and they do mixture like it was done centuries ago. And I tend to need, have a need for uh, values, objectivity, uh, real figures in front of my color because I don't like to be lost somewhere in the, in the blue or lost somewhere in the ochre. I like to know exactly where I am with a certain color. What is the value of the saturation? What is the value of the U? And uh, because there are so many colors, uh, you, it's, it's not unlimited, but there are millions and millions of colors that, that the eye can recognize and distinguish. And you quickly uh, get lost. Uh, I mean, that's why the, 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 even the best painters, realistic painter, they do uh, studies before to test the color, test it in different lights to be sure that they don't make a mistake because you can be very easily 
deceived by your impression. You think this color is, is, is pink, but and it's too pinky, and then you look at it on a different light and it doesn't look, or beside another color, it looks different. So I, I experienced all that, uh, and I think every painter experienced that, but I tried to put some objectivity to uh, bring some values in front of that so that I don't feel lost. And I also like things to be repeatable, and that's my rigor from space. I like things to be exactly the same one after the other. If I want to have the same color, I want to know how to make the same color. So that's where my engineering background comes back. I don't think it changes, it changes a lot the, the end results. Uh, I think the outcome is, is more, like, more or less the same. It's more in the process. I try to be faster this way, at least. That, that was great. Um, yeah, and particularly for our theme here, because I encourage our guests when they listen to this to, to check out uh, Bertrand's art, because uh, it is so beautiful and so uh, uh, full of emotion and, and the human experience. And then you describe this very technical process and technical <laughs> mindset to create it, which is so, uh, you know, which uh, is, is, is super. Thank you. Thank you. I wonder, and again, um, not, uh, not being an artist myself, I wonder how far you can get uh, in art in terms of being reaching mastery without a structure as you describe, uh, Bertrand. Uh, we, we don't think of it that way, but I wonder if, if uh, many of our successful artists um, have, a, have a similar type of process or structure as you describe. Well, I can, I can also do the, the, the more traditional way. It's just that it takes me more time uh, because you mix the color and, uh, okay, even though you get quicker and quicker by practicing a lot, it's, uh, it's always some, some places where you might, I mean, the whole process, the painters, they, they, as I said, they, they do a small painting because they don't start a big painting with the wrong color because otherwise it takes a huge long time. It's, uh, it's like you, you start with uh, being uh, rough shapes before you do more detail. And all this process is aimed at not wasting your time. And that's how you learn uh, painting. But mixing the colors is something that all in all takes a lot of time. And uh, as I said, we can still do the tra I can still do the traditional ways. Just I think I try to save time because really saving time is, is uh, really something I'm looking for because I don't have so much time to dedicate to my painting. So that's why I want to optimize it. That probably comes out of your, your business and engineering background as well, as you said, optimizing. Uh processes yeah yeah at the same time what makes a, a painting or what makes emotion and so on that's when it's not about mixing color it's really about uh, applying your brush on the canvas and 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 choosing the color and choosing the the, the blurriness of uh, of an eye uh, the expression all that is completely unaffected, I would say, by, by this uh, rigorous process in the color preparation, I would say. <laughs> Did you have any formal training in painting? You described kind of bringing your engineering uh, process to it, but did you have also a formal art training in, in, in some uh, part of your uh, history? I, I never did Academy of Art. I mean, I did 
um, some training, uh, short training sessions, uh, like uh, uh, I did the Paris Academy of Arts uh, over a summer, uh, and uh, I did a few workshops with uh, artists, and I took this. Uh, classes of my mentor uh, Jean-Louis Morel and then I work a lot with uh, I also read a lot of books a lot of uh, magazines on, on art and I also like to 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 learn by myself a lot but then it's uh, it's a permanent training as well uh, just I look at a huge number of of paintings of painters I appreciate and uh, I know I spend too much time on Instagram, but that's for the for a good reason. Mm -hmm. I I watch a lot of uh, of painters and paintings, and they inspire me a lot. When you have a passion for something, this is what you want to spend all your time doing, um, taking in as much information as you can. It's a it's a true indicator of of passion. Yeah. How how do you go around selecting your subjects to paint? I tend, uh, I'm very demanding uh, because I want to find, uh, I mean, I'm looking mostly for faces that uh, move me, uh, where I, I, I feel emotion for. And uh, so mostly musicians and Asian people uh, at the moment, I don't know if it's going to change, but I, I travel to Asia and I played a big role. My my wife is is uh, Asian as well, and uh, I'm fascinated by the Asian faces. Uh, I find a kind of uh, purity, and um, then I look for for some special characters where I can find a, a little bit of melancholy or deep thoughts. People who are lost in their thoughts. People who are who are sometimes even sad it can be. And uh, that's what I'm looking for in terms of attitude and also of, of characters. Then how do I find my model? It's, it's not easy because I looked for agencies and um, you know most of the models they present, um, they don't inspire me. So I have to look, um, I would say, in my relatives, my friends, and, and also on the street, which is very difficult currently because uh, people all wear masks. It's a big problem. <laughs> Maybe that's your next piece of work. <laughs> <laughs> mm. uh, that's, that's, yeah, that's very interesting about almost having almost an emotional or a, a, some sort of connection to an expression or something. I can almost understand yeah. what you're saying. You know, you, some people can walk by you and you don't think a thing and another person you look and the way they're looking, you're wondering what they're thinking about, right? And, uh, it sends you a whole in a whole trajectory. Yeah. So Bertrand, I think this has been a great conversation. Can you tell us what are you looking forward to? Either your vision for where you're going to take your painting or your personal or professional life. What are you looking forward to? Let's say when we are able to take all of our masks off eventually. Yeah, I think uh, the thing I, I miss a lot is uh, is traveling. So uh, definitely, probably I will be traveling. Uh, I mean, I I'm not uh, I'm very concerned about the climate change and all all that. Uh, but uh, travel is something I need. So I will not just 
travel three days to uh, uh, the other side of the world, but uh, having a big uh, trip uh, probably to, to Asia, it's been a long time, that would be great. Uh, and hopefully it will come not, not too long from now. This has been a terrific conversation. I uh, really enjoyed it and, and enjoyed your, your, the connections you made between, uh, as I said, what is a, uh, to me, a very, very technical field, obviously, getting things into space and, uh, and, and a very humanistic art form and uh, some very emotional, beautiful art. So, so thank you very much. Look forward to more of it coming out. Thank you. It's been a pleasure. Thanks for listening. We hope you enjoyed this episode. You can email us at podcast at theartistengineer.com if you have show ideas or want to follow up with feedback or just want to say hi. We'd love to hear from you, so feel free to connect. You can find more information about this episode in the show notes at www.theartistengineer.com. And finally, if you enjoyed the show, please leave an iTunes review as it helps the show get discovered by more people. And also hit the subscribe button.